0: Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you from my studio in Dallas, Texas. I wanted to get today's guest on the podcast to talk about the mortgage business, the ins and outs, how we make more money, what do we need. I always like to educate the audience on the ins and outs of money. But then as I began to learn a little bit more about him his story really began to resonate with me, man, because I love a comeback story. And I really like comeback stories where the low is really low and the high is really high. And that fits the bill, the bill well for our guest today because that's exactly what happened to Albert Preciado. Albert, when I see your story of what happened after 2008 and then the ascent to where you are today, man, it inspires the hell out of me. So welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be
0: on your show. Dude, I mean it. I mean, can, can you just give clarity one second here? Were you really in a Ford Explorer, living in it, with, that, with, with who has now become your wife, Basically, down and out, living in a Ford Explorer in SoCal.
1: Yeah, I was just going from uh, neighborhood to neighborhood and just crashing and parking the, the, the Ford and just taking some uh, some getting some sleep right there because I needed somewhere to sleep.
0: And your wife stayed with your ass, huh? Your wife stayed with you? Yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable, man. I mean, sometimes we
1: sometimes we park the car right in front of her mom's house and and just. Slept, slept in the, in the Ford because we didn't want to go inside her mom's house and, and we just didn't want to bother anybody.
0: It's unbelievable. It's such a powerful story for that because, you know, look, a lot of, that happens to a lot of people, and, man, they never fix it, right? Or maybe they fix it just a little bit and they end up getting a studio apartment and they think life got much better for them because they're not living in their Explorer anymore. But, dude, you went to the top. I mean, you changed it all, man. You torched that part of your life and built an entirely new life. When did you know that was going to happen? I mean, were you highly successful before 2008 Albert?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was really successful. I mean, for a 21-year-old I was making about 200k. Yeah. And and I had a nice uh, S550. I had I bought two homes and I was going through all that I was just living as a 21 year old with money, so I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, my priorities were alcohol, parties, drugs, and girls, mm. and and I got me in a lot of trouble. So that's what happened. I lost everything, but I don't regret it because I had a lot of fun,
0: <laughs> <laughs> dude. I never regret the low moments, man. Ever. I think the low moments. I was saying to Ed Milet not too long ago on this podcast because <clears throat> he was saying that he's like he's sort of anxious and you know, fired up 90% of the time. I said, man, that's perfect because that means you really enjoy the 10% that you're not right. It's okay. I don't mind the downside, man. Cause it makes me relish the good times that much more. Yeah. So, so what was the business that you were making good money in at 21? Cause that's a, that's a tough nut to crack being that young and, and killing it like that. Was it the mortgage business?
1: Yeah. So it, it, I mean, it goes back to the mortgage business. Uh, the one, the, the reason why I'm still here studying is because I never gave up. And, and I just don't believe in giving up. So, I mean, somebody, somebody would need to kill me so that I would stop. Hmm. But I was in the mortgage business and I made money there. And then 2008, the mar- the market got bad. So everybody, I don't know if you've seen that movie 2008, uh, the mortgage movie, where yeah. everybody lost their jobs. A lot of people quit. So the only difference was that I didn't quit. Yeah. And, and but my income dropped from 200 to about 40,000 mm-hmm. so obviously with 40,000 a year you can't pay an, an s550 mercedes you can't pay your mortgage so i lost everything I, I first i lost one house then i then i got my car recess and i lost the other house and then finally they cut my electricity mm. and living in, in the mountains uh, it got really cold so once they cut my 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 gas uh, I mean, I couldn't. It was way too cold to like shower and, and survive in, in that cold. So I had to. I, I I um I called my now wife and she picked me up, and then we just we just rolled out.
0: <laughs> in her Explorer? That was her Explorer. That was your Explorer.
1: No, I I had a Ford Explorer, and she had a uh, she had a, an old truck. Mm. But my Ford Explorer uh broke. It ended up breaking down because it was a it was a beat up Ford. So it it ended up breaking down and, and it was, it was like on and off. So sometimes, uh, I, I would stay in the Ford Explorer and, so, and she had a pickup truck where sometimes, I mean, we slept there a few times, but it was really uncomfortable because it was small. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we were just, we were just, I mean, I don't think it was really hit, hitting rock and bottom because I was, I was having fun with it. I mean, I, I knew I made a mistake and I, I knew it was just part of the process and I knew that. It was just all my fault. So I just needed to get back on track mm. and go back to my get my priorities right, and 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 sooner sooner than later I would get back up. So I would still go to gyms, work out. I would still be in good shape because um, after sleeping in the car, I would get up, go to the gym, work out, shower there, and sure. I had a laptop, and I and, and there was always Starbucks to go and use the computer. Yeah, man. I, I still had some clothes, yep. so I wasn't I wasn't really like close less. I mean, I was homeless, but I still had clothes I still were, I, I still would clean up and and go get some clients so like I like that I just I just tricked myself up I started making money again yeah and forty thousand turned into sixty seventy then then two thousand nine two thousand and ten I started making over a hundred again and then it just went from there I just, I just cut
0: back up so I mean I think it's important I think a lot of people look i've been broke three times in my twenty three years in business we're in the equipment financing industry we finance big rigs and bulldozers and tow trucks and um And in 2008 and 2009, we were, I guarantee you, on paper, we should have filed bankruptcy. Um, But we didn't. You know, we did. We just kept coming in and making phone calls. Day after day after day. Until I, I would just watch our competitors just go out and go out and go out. And all the high flyers up until 2007 and 2008. And we were just chopping wood, blocking and tackling, chopping wood. They'd all start to fall away. And finally, I used to lay in bed at night and say, holy shit, man, how much longer can we go? Right. I mean, it's not good for us. And I bet we were six months before we really like were completely out of cash. And then I remember it, Albert, all of a sudden, by the way, we just kept coming to work, man, every day, just banging phone calls, just kept coming to work, blocking, tackling, chopping wood. And all of a sudden, I just remember I remember the day it was like the clouds parted. And I'm like, that was the turn. That was it, man. The tide just reversed and it's coming back in. Now let's freaking crank it. And it was just full steam ahead from there. And I imagine that time frame happened for you. What? That was 09 where you, where you said that's all behind me now. And it's only up from here. What was that? What was that year for you?
1: Well, 2009 was when everything started getting a little better. Yeah. 2008 was just my hardest year. One of my hardest years ever. Uh, and, and then I just, 2008, 2009, and 2010 were kind of my rebuilding process. Mm-hmm. And, and but I, I mean, I, I always been the same person. Like I always, I always loved to read. Ever since uh, the age of 19 when I used to be a teacher assistant, uh, I used to read books and, and, and I, I, I probably read over a thousand books. Wow. Um, I mean, I, I have two mentors and I, and I really, I probably know just as much as they do about themselves. Cause I study them from, from toe to head. And that's, uh, I mean, you know, I think you know uh, Patrick and David really good. Love him. And and, uh, and, and, and the other guy is, is a close friend to you, I think, uh, Rand Cardone. Sure. So both of those guys, uh, I had to go through like a thousand books and years of reading and, and looking up videos on YouTube to find those two guys. So what I did is I got 50% from, from Grant and 50% from Pat. And so Pat, Pat taught. Well, Grant first uh, taught me about sales, how to increase my sales, how to become the master salesperson. But then the most valuable thing that Grant has ever taught me that completely changed my life was getting apartments. And, and so I, I was, I, I've always been good at sales, but I but I didn't know about uh, how to scale your business. So grant was part of scaling my business, and then the apartments, started. I started investing in apartments, which gave me a lot of extra cash flow. But then I was still kind of lost because I didn't have structure and I didn't have a system. And that's where Patrick came into the into the plan, and he taught me he taught me systems, he taught me uh, procedures, and how to make everything automatic. And those two just. Uh, I mean, it was a life changer. And then, I, of course, I started meeting other people through them. And, and that's kind of when my life just turned, made a radical change.
0: But who taught you um, how to spend money? Because you ain't afraid to spend money, man. I mean, you got Ferraris, Rolls, the, the gorgeous place on Sunset. I mean, so, did someone, are you making up for lack in your upbringing? Or is it just your um you just know what makes you happy why all the the unbelievable luxury items in your life and i'm not discounting it it's just different for me i'm just having fun (laughs) dude you don't need two ferraris to have fun you can have just as much fun with one can't you one in a rolls
1: yeah well you know what i don't i don't worry about about spending i focus on creating more income
0: yeah yeah, no, that's a huge uh, takeaway.
1: As long as I create extra income, yeah. an overflow of income, yeah. then I don't have to worry about bills or pay, or, or buying things. Uh, I don't I, I don't pay for my cars.
0: Yeah, I know the, mar- the 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 marketplace pays for your cars. Yeah. So let's talk about how you created a niche in the mortgage business because cr- I interview a lot of guys, Albert, who tell me that the mortgage business regulation wise changed so radically in 2008, 2009, that it's hard for guys to make the same amount of income as a mortgage originator or a mortgage broker. So tell me how you were able to develop a niche that turned your mortgage business into this goose that lays this golden egg all the time.
1: Yeah. Those are just excuses from people that quit. But but uh, to, have, to finalize the, the car thing, the car is actually an asset to me because in the business that I am, it gives me more credibility. So it helps me market myself. Yeah. And and so I don't see it as a liability. And b- besides not, besides having my, my passive income pay for them, the the car's actually making me money because it gives me more credibility and it's, it's just a marketing uh, strategy.
0: Look, I hear you on it, but it's just hard. It's hard for a lot of people, and to be frank with you, even myself, on certain things. Like I have no problem pulling the trigger on, on commercial real estate investments and other investments. That's easy for me, I don't see risk in that. But it's hard for a lot of people to drop the kind of money on rides and stuff. And it just seems like you're so comfortable in doing that, that I think it's really intriguing and impressive. I know some people would say, oh, you shouldn't do that. I'm intrigued by how comfortable you are at at pulling the trigger on those high ticket items. That's hard for me to do.
1: Yeah, I I always, like I said, I'm I'm not afraid of spending money because I focus on creating extra income. But everything that I that I do is uh, I I always try to spend as much as I can on on stuff that's gonna make me more money. Mm-hmm. So for example, when I went to the growth con last year, I I paid I paid the fifteen thousand dollar ticket uh, because I didn't worry about the fifteen thousand dollars. I worried about I was focused on the people that I was gonna meet. So I ended up meeting Brad and mm-hmm. Sam, and they became really close friends. And now
0: like Brad. Uh, I mean, Brad is like now very close
1: to me. So we, now we travel together, we spend time with our, we combine our families and stuff like that. And when, you, when you're around these guys, Grant Cardone also, Patrick the David, I digged uh, in and, and kind of, kind of like, like initiated the friendship. So now when you surround yourself with those people, then you meet other people like yourself, like other, other people that are, that are doing good in life. So it's just it's just uh it's contagious, just like like you could you could hang out with a bunch of losers. They're going to be contagious and they're going to bring a lot of losers to your circle. But when you start focusing and creating relationships that are winners, you're just going to keep it's going to be contagious, but it's going to be a good thing.
0: So help me with this, because I was just saying to both Patrick, Bet David and Bradley last week, because I was with both of those guys last week. And, I, and they were asking me, what What do you think one of your regrets is? And I, I used to have these two canned answers, Albert, where I would say my my number one regret was that I didn't serve my country, right? Um, and then my second regret, and I know it sounds so stupid and silly, but my regret was that I didn't go to the Olympics in 1996 in, in Atlanta, right? They were right here in our backyard. I should have gone and just embraced that experience. And I know that that sounds pretty pretty weak, but, but I'm a pretty patriotic guy, and I missed out on that. But as I get older... I realized that the, the biggest regret is that I never had a big enough ask. And what I mean by that is, in my relationships with people that have done well or what have you, I never asked them for enough favors. And, and that has hurt me over time. Because now I'm, I'm reaping some of those rewards, but I never asked for favors, man. I thought it had to be so hard. And the the grind had to be so difficult, and I had to climb every ladder of success. So educate me on this. Help me get better and the audience get better. Once you get introduced to somebody, what does Albert do to stay in their lives, right? Because we can all go to the VIP tent at 10X and see people – but how do you re-come back into their lives and stay relevant to them so that eventually you can enjoy them? Because a lot of those guys don't need more friends.
1: Yeah, I mean, first is taking action. Taking action gets you in front of them and then uh, stalking them. So I, I, would, I would pay attention to where Brad was heading. I would pay attention to where Grant was heading. And then, and then I, would, I would kind of end up in, in the same area. And they would see me over and over and over again. So then finally they would, they would be like, dude, who's this guy? And and then I got sneaky. So I started going through their, through their, uh, wives. So, cause, cause you know, the, you know, the, the, the woman in your life is probably going to be the, one of the biggest reasons, uh, if they're going to like you or not. So then I just started becoming Elena, Elena's friend. And then, uh, and then you just go through the lives sometimes, but you just get sneaky and, 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 and you just appear in front of them the whole time. You send them stuff, send them gifts, uh, comment and all their stuff. Like, they just like, – kind of like when you're, when you're uh, trying to convince a girl – and she's just playing hard to get, and you just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up, and stalking her until she says yes, and then you just go for
0: the <laughs> Dude, I'm so thankful you just said that, man. That was awesome, because that really is sometimes how it happens. Here's the reality. Like I said, some of those guys don't need more friends. And so – you got to prove that you are a worthy, honest, trustworthy, caring, grateful friend. And it usually isn't the second time you meet him. It's like the eighth or tenth time you meet him. Yeah. But back to the business for a second. Have you created a niche in the mortgage business that has allowed you to create this goose that lays the golden egg? Or are you a generalist in the mortgage business? Because I believe in the old saying that riches are in niches.
1: Well, the mortgage business. There is a lot of mortgage people out there, but um, it's just trial and error. Like when I wanted to start a company, nobody wanted to help me. So my old brokers, my old bosses, I asked them for advice, and I asked them, "Hey, so how do you start? Like, what's the first step of opening a company?" And nobody. It's it's as simple as as filing the corporation, getting a broker's license. Coming up with a company name, filing that, and and, and just getting the licenses, and then just getting a, a, an office, which could be your garage, and just start doing business. But I didn't know anything, so I, I would ask all my previous bosses, and nobody wanted to help me because they they were they were thinking too small. Mm. They were just worried about, oh, he's going to turn into our competitor. So I just did it anyways, and I just did it on my own and call, made, made a bunch of phone calls, called the, the state, called the department of real estate and ask ask them questions they told me the step-by-step by,
0: step by step process and, I yeah. just did. and they just did it but what about the niche the ability to say this segment of the market look in my industry there's tons of people that do all kinds of financing i only do it in four industries trucking towing construction and moving that's it if you if if someone wants to buy an exotic car i don't do it if somebody wants to buy refrigeration equipment for a restaurant i don't touch it I'm just laser-focused in these four. Are, did you take that stance in the mortgage business, or did you basically say anybody who needs a loan could be a client?
1: I did. So I focused on uh, residential. I, I focused on uh, three types of loans. One is FHA, once is conventional, another one is VA. But that was in the beginning. And, and the number one uh, thing that was the most important part was staying compliant. Because if you don't stay compliant, anybody could come and shut you down. So I I, I, just, I just made sure that we were staying compliant and, and like paid attorneys and paid uh, people that were experts and that could protect us so that we stay compliant. And many, many people, they open up a, a company, but they don't stay compliant and they get shut down by the big dogs. But if you stay compliant and you keep some reserves, if somebody tries to mess with you, you could fight back and beat them. But most people, they don't have reserves. They don't have backup money. They don't have other flows of income. And and they don't stay compliant. They just wing it and they try to make uh, money quick instead of making uh, instead of becoming rich for sure. So I just made sure that we were compliant. Uh, made sure that we're following the guidelines that the government uh, forces to do. And, and and that's how I did. And I focused just on, on that niche: uh, conventional BA loans and and FHA loans, which are which are government loans. Now we're starting to do different type. We're adding more stuff to our to, to our. Uh, to our, our uh, what we offer, right? So now we're offering commercial loans. Now we're offering uh, alternative financing loans. So now yeah. we're opening it up and doing
0: more things. But what about the argument of the regulation, where where a mortgage guy just can't make the same amount of money as they could before the crash? You you, you debunk that. You say that's not accurate.
1: I mean, it's not accurate. If you cl- you, you make you make about fifteen thousand a deal, and if you close up ten deals, that's
0: yeah. so you're saying you're saying wow that's a pretty big spread I didn't realize it was that kind of scratching the, the if you, yeah. you do if
1: you do 80 loans you'll make a million a month mm. so I mean it's it's they, they limited you to 2.7 to 2.75 uh, percent more yeah. or less yeah loan amounts are 500 600 that's my average loan amount yeah I got it so, I mean it's not I, I don't feel limited at all you just have to do more deals yeah so it's mean,
0: just a numbers game I got it totally people I love it are just lazy and they yeah. want to just home
1: runs on each deal and, and you just have to like
0: find a way to overcome that. I got it completely. I totally get it. Now, listen, let me ask you this question about uh, when I saw you in Las Vegas and, and, and through some of your social posts, I mean, you are clearly like doting all over your new baby daughter. I mean, it's like, you can just see, it's just like, like a dream come true for you. You know, I mean, I can see it in your eyes and, and the way you are with her. Yeah. How important was, or is the ability to have this balance between growing the business, marketing yourself, challenging yourself through the Driven conference that you're, this would be year two coming up for, for Driven, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, you got a lot of, you got a lot of plates spinning, my man, but yet you have this unbelievable connection with your family. How are you managing that?
1: I don't manage it. I don't balance it. I just take him on the Right. So that's why you see me, like, I, I'll go to Vegas, then from there we'll go to San Diego and I drag my family with me, and they actually help me. If you think about it, it's and my daughter, she all help me get business. Like, I'm walking around with her and everybody's like, hey, so cute, your baby's so cute. Here, let me give you some business. And I'm like, all right, Matt, bring it on. <laughs> so so I, I, I use my, I, I, my family helps me. Uh, they give me more energy yeah. and make me happier, and they just fulfill me with, with abundance and energy and, and, and happiness. So I don't see it as a problem or as a limitation. I see it as, as, as adding more power. So, like, if I have another baby, I'm probably going to do more because it's just going to be a reaction to do more. And when, when I was growing up, people would tell me, hey, you're making a lot of money because uh, you're single and you're 21 and you're making 200 k That's why you can do that because you have a lot of time. That's why you're in shape. And then they, they would tell me things like, hey, wait till you're married. You'll, 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 get, you'll gain some weight. You'll become fat. And then you have a baby. And they said, "Wait till you have a baby; that's going to slow you down." And I, I just, I just love to hear that, that, those kind of things because it just makes me do more. And, mm. and I just have a smile on
0: my face. I don't know, man. You got you have a real calmness about you, though. That's 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 different than a lot of guys that resonate <clears throat> with a Cardone or a Patrick Bed or a Bradley or any of those names. There's a sense of of sort of like you already sort of know that you're on a ride that you were supposed to be on. Is there any truth to that statement?
1: I just focus on stuff that I could control and I don't worry at all. I don't even give a second of thought to stuff that, that is out of my control. So I don't worry about anything and I don't stress about it. Not, and, and I know that I don't, I don't need, uh, I'm, I just feel like uh, I'm here for a purpose and, and, and I don't worry about money because I have multiple flows of income. So I have apartments that, that, pay all my expenses so if i don't have if i don't want to come to the office or if i want to retire right now at the age of 34 i can do
0: that yeah it's just it's it's very refreshing to see somebody who doesn't sweat all of the stuff that so many other people and probably including myself do i mean i see this calmness over you that that is pretty damn impressive man where does that come from who taught you not to con, not to sweat the small stuff I, I, Has it always been like that? I mean, as a kid, did you not sweat the small stuff? I mean, did you have a transformation? Or was this is, is this sort of predestined? This is the way it was always going to be for you.
1: I mean, I, I just started being a kid again. Kids don't fear anything. Kids just commit and, and take action. And and when you grow up, you just build all these insecurities because people close to you tell you, hey, you got to be careful with this. you got to be careful with that. And I just like to stay busy so as long as I stay busy I don't even have time to worry about other crap Hmm. I I, I wake up really early and I start I start creating things so I start creating things and then by six seven eight I'm already kind of winded down so I know it's time to go home spend time with the family and and go to sleep like nothing good's gonna happen at 10 p.m. so I fall asleep and then I'll wake up at two three four and then I get my day started and then I, I just have I mean I just have huge massive dreams and goals. And I know that I have to work on it and I, and I, and I want to be productive. So that's that, that just keeps
0: me going. What is there to worry about? Dude, it's, I'm telling you, you're a powerful guy in that regard. That calmness is extremely powerful. And the way I interpret it is that you always believe that there's a bigger purpose for you and that you're, you're on the ride. That was predestined for you. That's, that's how I take it when I talk to you and when I see you that that you're not fighting against um, what's supposed to be. You're just, you're embracing what's supposed to be because what's supposed to be has already been, you've already been tapped for something. Does that make sense? Yeah. I yeah. feel that in you. Do you feel that in yourself or, or, or do you think that it's not that simple?
1: I mean, I, I feel it, but uh, sometimes like, I feel like a superhero.
0: <clears throat> Go with that. Tell me what you mean by that. Uh, that's crazy to say that. I love that. Tell me more.
1: Well, sometimes I have dreams where I'm flying and then I wake up and then and then sometimes I wake up like at 1:30 and I can't go back to sleep and, it's, and and I know people would say that it's kind of not healthy and stuff but I, I sleep early so if I, if I fall asleep at 8:30 or nine, I'm up by 1:30 that's per, that, that's enough rest for me sometimes because sometimes I do get tired but when I wake up at 1:30 I just start I, I, like at least once or twice a month, I'll wake up and I think I'm a superhero. So it's like 1.30 and, and I just feel like I'm like a superhero, like Batman or something like that. And I just feel like, like I could. I, it's just weird, strange feeling. <laughs>
0: All right, that's awesome, man. You know, my wife says she flies in her dreams and though that, and she knows that she's really content and on purpose and doing exactly what she's supposed to do when she flies in her dreams. And do you know that I've only flown in my dream one time? That's the one time in my life I've only flown. It tells me, man. I'm telling you, I'm I'm the guy that has to push the rock up the hill every moment of every day. And so when I when I see you, I'm so intrigued by this calmness that you have. Right? It's just this this knowing that it's going to be okay. And I'm probably the exact opposite. I have to be. I got to get my fingers in all of it to make sure it's okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Hey, let's talk real quick about money for a little bit. Let's talk about the commercial real estate side of things. How does some? I'm going to to oversimplify it for time, if you don't mind. How does somebody find deals in such a competitive environment that actually still makes sense? So I know it's an oversimplified question, but just go with me on that. You just
1: got. I mean, first you got to find a deal that's in your city, uh, because you don't. You don't want if you're beginning. You don't want to go out outside of your your comfort zone, because you're not going to know the cities. That's just like kind of skipping. And I don't believe in skipping. So let's say if you live in, you live in Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you want, you don't want to buy a four unit property in Dallas because Dallas is expensive. But what you want to do is you want to go 30 miles away from Dallas because a four unit property, you need to live in it. So it needs to be an owner occupied home. So you find uh, – you, you go 30 minutes – 30 miles away, and, and that's believable because you'll, you'll, tell, you'll, you'll tell the bank, hey, okay, I'm going to live in one of the units, but it's more affordable if I go to the outskirts. So you'll find a good four-unit deal there. Right now, you're not going to find the best deals because right now the market is, is up. It's high, but you'll still find a deal. Like Even getting, even getting a bad four-unit apartment – is better than not getting
0: anything. Mm, that's so, an interesting look at it because there's a lot of people holding off, right? They're, they're stacking and racking cash. They're getting their powder built up for when this thing turns so they can start to pounce then. And you're, I love what you just said that getting a unit now, a decent unit now is better than not getting anything. I love that, yeah, man. Because if you think about it,
1: most people are average and most people just want to become a millionaire. So if you buy a four unit property and, and, and live in one because you have to live in one for a while, but in six months, nobody is, to, they're not forcing you to stay there forever. So in six months, you just move out and then just rent all four units. Mm-hmm. And the four rents are gonna pay for your mortgage. So you keep it for 30 years, you buy it for 500, in 30 years, it'll be paid off by the tenants. And that property's probably gonna worth, be worth way over a million. So now you're a millionaire by accident
0: smart dude. I love that. But let's go bigger on it though, right? I mean, how how do we get our hands on on the next level up from a 4 unit to maybe a 80 unit, 300 unit. And my stance on that is I don't want to be on the front end of those deals. I like to ride the coattails of other people. So I don't want to I'm not interested in in advertising, I'm not interested in marketing, I'm not interested in rehab, I'm not interested in renting, I'm not interested in any of that sort of stuff. And I understand I give up a lot of yield on that but I'm perfectly fine with riding somebody's coattails. What is your opinion? Do you want to be first or are you okay with being second, third, fourth on a deal like that?
1: Like having a partner?
0: Yeah. Do yeah, you want so to be lead partner on it or are you okay with somebody I, else playing I, I the lead?
1: the things about me is that I don't, I, I, I'm a control freak. I'm just like Grant Cardone. So I'm a control freak. And, and sometimes, I mean, they, they've called me uh, in Spanish, uh, Theo Albert. You know how they call it Uncle G?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. In
1: Spanish, it's it's. It's uh, Tio, um, yeah, Tio Albert. So uh, I just I I learned so much from that guy, and and but I but the difference is that I that I that I committed, I, I took action. So I, I I just I'm like Grant, I like control, so that's why I don't have any partners in my real estate because I want to have all the control, and 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 if it makes sense, I I I own a mortgage company and a real estate company, so I know everything from like. Uh, I I know it. I know it not as good as Grant, obviously, but because he has more experience. But I, I just know him really well, so that's why I get the properties. I have full control, and I don't like having another person involved because then you have to make sure it's okay with them and all that stuff. So I I know how to do it. So that's just me. But if you don't want to have that uh, that worry, and you don't want to have to deal with that, and you have a business or a job that makes you good income, then there's nothing wrong with getting getting somebody like grand and giving him hey here's 100 grand 200 grand invested for me i know i'm gonna be safe and you do all the work you get rewarded a little extra for the extra work that you're doing and just cut me a check whenever we make some profits and so there's it's just two options and it just depends on what type of person you prefer to be but i just like control yeah and i'm, I'm always the driver i don't like being the passenger uh like, I just, I just like being in control.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. So you're, you got your own crews that are doing rehabs and all that sort of stuff, or you've got a construction manager. How are you managing all of those details?
1: I got a property management company, so you pay them 5% and they take care of everything. They, they lease, they lease the vacancies. Yeah. Uh, they evict uh, tenants if that's necessary. And if whenever there's repairs, they just hire a handyman and we'll fix it. And they, yeah. they just send me my net check at the end of the month.
0: Yeah, I got it. I got it. I like that idea, by the way. I really do. I think that's a much better way of doing it. Listen, Albert, we got to hop. It was a pleasure to have you on. I'm grateful to know you. I look forward to getting to know you even more. And uh, I'm going to send you a couple copies of the You Need More Money book as well, because I know you're a voracious reader, and I hope you like it. And if you do, I know that I can trust you. Call me and tell me exactly what you think about it without any bullshit, which is the hardest thing that people never realize, man. Two things that I know for damn sure. What you're told when you get off the stage after you just spoke will not be true, and what people tell you about your book to your face is not how they feel. First off, most people never read the damn book all the way, right? They read one or two chapters. Hell, I gave it to my sister. She didn't even get back to me and tell me what she thought about the book, right? Yeah. But I know for sure. I did a TEDx talk uh, not too long ago, and I was sitting in the green room. And they had all the stuff for the speakers and all that stuff. And the first person goes up on stage and bombs. And they come into the green room and everybody kissed her ass that she did so good. And I said to myself, man, is this how this works? Is this actually what happens? No one's going to tell you the truth? That if you sucked on stage at TEDx, you're going to come back into the green room and everybody's going to tell you how good you did? And from that moment on, I never believed a word that anybody tells me after I do a speech. Because no, one's, no one really has the guts. And I think that's why Bradley and I have become such good friends. is because I'll go to his speeches. He, he, he was in Dallas. I went and saw him. He didn't want me to go see him. I said, I'm coming to see you, and I'm going to critique your speech, right? And I'm the only guy, I think, who will really tell Bradley whether he had a good speech or not. Because I want him to do the same for me, man. I don't want to be bullshitted. I want to get better. I want to constantly improve. So anyway, I don't know why I digressed on that. But I think the same for you. I think if I sent you the book. Um, you'd be kind enough to tell me exactly how you feel, because I know it's a great book.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll read it, and then let me let me just uh, share two quick things. Uh, I'll be in Dallas maybe next week. Killer. So if you're there. I'll I'll uh, uh, I'll send you a message.
0: Fantastic. Love to see you.
1: I'm probably gonna
0: be meeting with Pat. Oh, wait a second. I'm uh, next week.
1: Pop, yeah, may, next week or the next one. I'll I'll text you, and <laughs> then we'll. We'll we'll, we'll find out a, a yeah. good day.
0: The next week would be better. I'm in Costa Rica next week with the kids. So, okay, uh, And then, by the way, if you're in town on the twentieth, March twentieth, come to my book launch party because that's when I'm doing my Texas book launch party. March twentieth. It's a Tuesday night. March twentieth.
1: Okay, that that might work. I'm going to leave. I'm actually going to be out of town on the twenty, probably the twenty third through the twenty ninth. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go celebrate a. Uh, uh, Want to take a family trip for my birthday? Killer! And I think
0: the I think the Lee family might join us. Nice, yeah, sweet. What's the second thing, Albert? You said you had one other yeah. thing. So the second thing is
1: uh, just uh, so some people could understand me because uh, some people don't know a lot about me. Everything. So the reason why I'm kind of crazy and I do a lot of crazy things is because I'm 34. So like uh like I'm not I'm probably close to Grant's. Like, I'm half Grant's age, and, and, and a lot of these other people are, are, like, they're a lot older than me. So, what I want to do is I just want to go all out, and I want to enjoy life when I'm young. So, that's why I get the Ferraris, the Roses, and, and that's why I'm not scared of spending, because I know I could create extra income, but I want to enjoy everything when I'm young, when I could, uh, like, sprint, carry my daughter, and uh, and have so much energy. I want to take advantage of my energy right now. I don't want to wait and live on the budget and then wait till i'm 60 or 50 to be like okay now it's time to enjoy it because you know what you never know if you're gonna be alive tomorrow or if you're gonna your body's gonna be working when when you're uh 10 years older so i mean that's why i do what i do and 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 then i'm just like i said uh, in the beginning i'm just living my life i'm just enjoying my life.
0: dude i hear you and i see it I, and i i it's one thing to live uh you know like um sporadically or carefree i see you living with absolute purpose i can totally see it in your personality the purpose of being there for your wife and for your children and for your employees and for and 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 for other people and for your friends dude i mean you're on the right path dude you're on the mission path it's clear as a bell to me dude and i i met i met so many people who're not dude i see it Let's talk about driven for a second, though. What's the purpose of driven? Why are you putting on these events? So many people say there's like no money in those events. Why are you doing those events?
1: I mean, three things. Number one is to help people. Uh, you're right. I mean, you don't you don't make you don't you don't you don't make a ton of money on those events, but uh, the people that you could reach, all those people that you could help, uh, it, the more you give, the more you get. So every time I, make, I, I do the, like the first event, nobody knew me back then. Like I, like I went to the growth con and, and then uh, they, Grant put my info on, on the on the bulletin and everybody saw me. But then no, nobody really knew me, but they, they started to know me more when, when, when Grant did that. And I mean, I took a risk because I, I, I told Jared, hey, put my, my stuff up, up. And he's like, uh, we can't do that. No. And I'm like, dude, I'll pay you. And he's like, no, no, it's not about that. We can't do that. And I said, Dude, how much money do you want? I'll give you 15 G's. <laughs> said, 15 Gs. Uh, all right, let me, let me see what we could do. And then I gave him 15 G's. I don't worry about 15 G's. I worried about how many people I could reach out to. So then a lot of people got to know me. And then I I, I said, you know what? Uh, whenever I see something that works, I copy it. So I saw the tenants growth con worked. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna put out my own event. Because I asked a bunch of, I, I asked uh, many people that put events together. I asked them, hey, let me speak on stage. So I always wanted to speak on stage, and nobody gave me the opportunity. So I said, "You know what? I'll I'll, I'll make my own event." So I self-funded it and I made my own event. And I I, and one of my dreams came true, which is to speak in front of people and inspire them. So I put my own event together. I got the people that I wanted to speak, and I had control. And I reached out to a lot of people. A lot of people were inspired. A lot of people got to know me. And it just feels good when you when, when you do things like that, where you give and you help people. And then. I'll tell you what after the event I didn't make money in the event but what came after that I probably made 10 times more income yeah. just because as a result of the of the results of the event that they created
0: Dude, it's such an important lesson. I mean, I think the way you crafted it today was awesome, and people are going to learn from that. But you got the driven coming up again. You decided to do it again. Why? You want to continue to multiply and multiply and multiply. Your stance is even if it's a break-even event for you, it's not a break-even event. It's a break-even event, the event, but all of the residual income is a is a tremendous profit center for you.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I don't think this event, I'll break even. I think it'll be profitable, but that's not my priority. My priority is just what I said, helping people, reaching out to people. And and we have a, a few things that we're launching at the event. Yeah. And this is going to be a, an event that we do every year. It's more of a mortgage guy uh,
0: Yeah. Event. sure so your clients like to go to it your vendors like to go to it i mean people that you do business in that space like to come to it i mean and you did it at the ritz last time so it's a first class event where is it this year
1: it's going to be in la something similar uh-huh. but it's, it's not going to be the ritz it's going to be a different hotel i'm going to try something different but this last year i had Grand cardone yep brad and uh but this year i wanted to make it even better so that this year that's why i added patrick but david yeah David, I have Grant Cardone, Brad Lee, uh, Tim story is going to be there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we're, we're announcing more speakers, but it's a one day event. Mm-hmm. And my purpose for that is because when I go to a lot of seminars and sometimes it's a four day event, three day event. And, and like you said, some speakers suck. So, so when, when you go to events like that, I, there's like two speakers or two or three that you want to listen to. But other than that, you don't want to be sitting there from eight a.m. till six p.m. sitting in the, in, in, the, in the chair taking notes because you don't want to take notes from everybody. You want to be out and you want to meet people. You want to network, but I mean that's the reason why we make it a one-day event, and it's just powerful. And, and, and those are the people that that made a difference in my life. So that's a formula that works.
0: I love it. I want to be part of it, dude. I'd like to, I, I want to know exactly when it is and I want to be out there and I want to help drive as much traffic to it as I possibly can. I love the sound of that thing. And I really love the one day because I don't want to do it for three or four days in a row, dude. It's too much for me. I, yeah. I want to go in and get consumed by it and then want to go back and put it to action. I don't need yeah. three, four days of it. It's too much. That's
1: the exact way I think. Like you want to go there and get all the knowledge. That's it hang out for a day, and then get back and get back to
0: work. Dude, I'm only looking for one idea to those things anyway. So I don't need, I don't need six, eight different potential concepts. Like, like, to tell you the truth, the biggest idea I got out of uh, the 10X Growth Con in Vegas was uh, from Grant's brother, Gary, right? Yeah. Which was the fear of what's coming that we don't know. And, dude, I love feeling like that. And I think Gary Cardone has that vision almost better than anybody who was on that stage. He's a smart right. son of a gun.
1: One, one, of, one of my things that I live by is my fear of not succeeding is is is, is, is bigger than my than, than death mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so like like uh, i'm just i'm just more scared of not succeeding than dying I don't want to die and and, and not n- not leave a legacy not leave something where i changed the world like i want to be remembered when my body's not here that hey albert was a world changer
0: Dude, that's awesome. That's so Dude, I'm telling you, I don't know if anybody's told you this shit before, but I saw it in you the very first moment I met you. I said, this guy has a calmness that only happens when a person is predestined for greatness. And not, And I'm not talking greatness from action. I'm talking greatness from this guy is tapped by some force to do things bigger than himself. It's different than what, than what a lot of people might be tapped for. And I hope I'm explaining it properly, but I saw it the minute I met you. And I said, this guy has a aura of him that says I don't have to force it because I was destined for this. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Well, I, I really appreciate uh, your words. Uh, it means a lot. And I mean, I know, I know you're a really successful person. And, uh, I have nothing but, uh,
0: mad respect for you. Well, thanks buddy. I appreciate you. I look forward to getting to know you more and I appreciate the, uh, being on the show today, dude. It was great. I learned from you. I appreciate Th- that. Thank
1: you. And send me, send me the books. Uh, I'll, I'll read it, uh, in a week and I'll let you know what, what, what I think about it. I'll, I'll be honest
0: with you. <laughs> That's awesome, buddy. I appreciate you, Albert. Have a good day, buddy. All
1: right. Thank you, Matt. Thank, Thank
0: you. Too. Bye. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more
1: money.